I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Feudal Anime Podcast. Beyond the Boundary is today's episode. I am your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And I got to say, this one I thoroughly enjoyed. If not, it confused me just a little bit, especially at the end. <laughs> and the beginning. And the beginning. Just just a tad. Not so much the beginning <laughs> as I would say the end. Um, I would say more the beginning than the end. Really? The end was a little bit, uh, in my opinion, uh, the end was very, uh, not preordained, but uh, you, you could definitely read which way it was going. It wasn't foreshadowed, but it, it was obvious. Well, yeah, except, uh, what the hell? <laughs> reasons, damn it. Reasons. But let's start. <laughs> reasons. Reasons are why. All right. But uh, let's start at the beginning so that we can fill everyone in. Indeed. So this is just a discussion in general over the television series. It does not include the OVA. It doesn't include the net series or the movie. Although I wish I knew about them beforehand. Otherwise, I would have watched them all at the same time. Uh, poor yep. planning on my part. Um, but it, it's it starts Let me off. Before they kind of hit it. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts off with uh, our main protagonist, Akito, getting ready to leave the school grounds. And, and he he notices someone standing on the edge of the building looking down. It's kind of more like he's narrating his life. So he's trying to leave the, the, the school grounds and he notices uh, this girl standing on the edge of the school building. And while this is going on, he is, in fact, yes, narrating his life. In, in a manner of speaking, and it's not his life all the way up to that future point towards the end or whatever. It's it's all the way up to current, along with a definition of what suicide is as well. So it's not just a narration on that point, but it, he gives a definition on suicide as well at the same time. And at this point, you're also introduced to the other main character, uh, Mira. And I do apologize if I'm pronouncing that name wrong. That's the best I can do. The It's spelled M-I-R-A-I. So I'm going with Maria. All right. Uh, Maria, Maria. Or, or uh, Mira. Mira? Mira. We'll go Mira. with Mira. Mira sounds I like, better. I, I like Mira. 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 Yeah, Mira sounds a little bit more authentic. All right. We'll go with Mira. And he runs up to the top of the building and and he he yells to the person that you shouldn't jump off because you're beautiful and you have glasses and glasses are the most beautiful thing in the world and he loves her doesn't even know her but he tells her that he loves her basically in so many words see the funny thing is in this particular one you just see his mouth moving and no words coming out and he narrates over himself and says i'm just going to omit what i said here but the gist of it was i love glasses and this lowly type girl in broad-rimmed red glasses does this really amazingly athletic backflip off the ledge and back into the safety zone, so to speak. Yeah, over a seven-foot tall fence, mind you. Over a minimum. Yeah. Minimum. And 
lands right in front of him. And I forget what she says. It was something like, maybe I'm too much for you or something, or I, I, I don't know. But the next image you see is this blood red blade or sword erupting from his back. Oh, no. And that's when she says, maybe I was too much for you. And then that's it. And it goes back to him narrating, kind of saying something like, in a world not like ours, our story wouldn't exist. But because the world is like this, it does. It's kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but it's kind of like that. And just as confusing as it sounds is just as confusing as it actually is. Um, and then it goes to cutscene and uh, opening I don't know what you call that uh, opening song and credits and you're just left with what happened. Yeah. And, and you know, that's with that just being the beginning, it definitely kind of throws you for a loop because of the words he chooses to use. But then you also realize at that same time, and it plays to this all the way throughout that he had actually has this really big, uh, creepy borderline psychotic fetish with glasses. To say the least, to to say yeah. the least, that's and that's putting it mildly. Glasses to the point of he hops on other fetishes by adding glasses. Yes. Oh, this fetish would be so much better if this person had glasses. This would be so much better if she had glasses. Oh, you know what? Yeah. This person would look so much better with glasses. Oh, you know what? You're right. She's perfect just the way she is, except if she had glasses. Exactly. It, it doesn't exactly. matter what it is. I mean, like he, one of his friends, uh, Hirumi, who has a a big brother complex fetish for his younger sister, literally even convinces him that his sister should also wear glasses because of how great she would look and everything like that and joins in on it. Like he can at any point, at any time, he will find a way to have glasses thrown into the situation and into the mix. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because he'll like point things out. Oh, this would be so perfect. Your nose is, is, is screaming, put glasses on me. And it, it's just, it becomes almost too much how they rely heavily on this slight perversion of his. Now, moving forward, you, we're, we're obviously talking like he's still alive after he's had this blade through his chest. And he is actually he, he is alive. And the reason why he is alive is because he's actually immortal. And you find out the reason why he is considered immortal, at least, is because he is actually part uh, Yalmu. And what Yalmu are, are, are the embodiment or, or the physical manifestations of negative human emotions. But he's also half spirit world warrior. And what spirit world warriors are basically... Uh, a group of people who can see the Yaomu and are able to defeat them. So, so that way they're not taking over the world and cre creating a great calamity, so to speak as a whole over everyone. And so he is, his father was a Yaomu because not all of them actually, ironically, not all of them are actually bad. Not all of them are evil. Uh, some of them are actually good. Some of them can even inhibit human form. Right. Some of them can inhibit hum human form. Um, and his mother was a spirit world warrior. So he is half and half. Um, no one knows. Which is why. incredibly rare. Right. Which is incredibly rare. But no one knows why he is 
basically immortal. I mean, he he's basically a celebrity amongst them all, amongst the spirit world warriors with him not being able to be killed. You can stab him. You can slice and dice him. You can flay him. Can't kill him. He will heal relatively quickly, if not instantly. And it, it's kind of funny because right after the opening thing in the very first episode, he points, he, you were drawn back to the scenario and he looks at the sword and he goes, could you please do something about this? And the girl kind of looks shocked. And then it, it skips forward to like, I want to say a month later, kind of sort of. And he's like, look, you've been trying to kill me every night for the past. However long, what's your deal. And then it shows a short montage right. of her just killing him, like stabbing him, dropping him, chopping his head off, things like that. And day after day, he's right back at it. Um, and he's part of a literary club, I believe it is. Literature club. Yeah, he is a part of a literature club. But the female protagonist, her name is uh, Mira. And Mira is actually uh, the last surviving member of a cursed family who actually utilizes their weapons or blood as their weapons. Literally. So that blade that she was stabbing him with and cutting him and everything else is actually her blood. And... She's actually wearing a small ring on her pinky finger. You'll notice throughout the thing, and it explains it a little bit later on, that that's actually suppressing her her power because her blood is quite literally acidic and to physical things. Well, and poisonous to Yamu, but to like physical things, it'll eat rock. It'll dissolve rock. It'll dissolve trees. It'll dissolve when everything. She, but it also yeah, it's a poisonous fume, too. That's why I said poisonous. Yep. Fair, fair. It's poisonous to Yamu specifically. I doesn't. I don't think it affects people too much, other than you know, dissolving them. Um, but one of the things that it makes her unique is her clan. The reason she's the last one isn't some monumental, um, you know, clan war. It's it's her own clan had such a a need to be the best that they actually killed each other. So that's why she's essentially alone. She's not the survivor, meaning the number one. She just is the last surviving person that just happened to be really, really good at killing. Um, but you don't find no, that she, out until she's actually much not, later. She's not the last surviving member because she's really, really good at killing. She's the last surviving member because she was born and she was left with a different family. She actually even... Even when she says maybe I was when she says I was too much for you at the beginning, she actually had never defeated a uh, Yaomu before at all. And it takes several attempts for that to actually happen, for her to actually be able to get to a point to where she's able to defeat one. And even then, it was a great trial for her to do this. Um, you also- See, I, I actually I, 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 I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I was under the impression that she was actually quite accomplished at killing Yamu. Nope. Previously they even said that because she even said that she had never killed one before episode two. No, I, I got that in episode two, but in episode nine, she was recruited because she was good at killing them. At least that's what I thought. Recruited. Like that, that's no, the whole reason. No, no, no. That was the whole reason for her coming out there and going with the whole innocent schoolgirl get up. Because she was hired by the older sister to come out here specifically to kill. Um, no, she was hired because of her 
blood. Yeah, her blood was the only thing that was able to kill. That, um, yeah, and our, our, even our then control. they weren't even sure that it would be doable, but they assumed that it was going to be doable because of the blood and the properties of it and her being the last surviving member. It had nothing to do with her being a, a, an accomplished killer, so to speak. Or at least huh. that's the impression that I got anyways. I mean, like she was living pretty okay. meagerly even before then. Well, you know, she absolutely was, but that I, I could have sworn that was because she was running from the family that she killed the daughter of. No, so to, to, no. to, to, to go back for a second to explain this, um, there was this massive Yamu that has this uh, aura and most, the most powerful Yamu don't necessarily have physical bodies, so to speak. They have an aura that encompasses miles and miles. It's not even um, an aura. They just don't have a physical body in general. And it's invisible to the eye in general, no matter who it is. And the only time they actually ever take a physical form is when they are inhabiting a human body. Or another Yami, Yamu. Um, now, you learn about two of them. Yes, and the first one is the one I was specifically referring to. The first one was called the Shadow Hollow thing. What was it called? Hollow Shadow. Hollow Shadow. I had it backwards. And the Hollow Shadow actually has a very specific history with Maru. Mari? Mari, right? Uh, Mira. Mira. I was close. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't even a little bit. No, and you do learn that uh, she does have a history of it. Um, because what this thing actually had happened before, or what happened before is the hollow shadow had, um, possessed one of her friends and she ended up having to kill one of her friends because of this or, or the only, basically it wasn't even a friend. It was a f the family that actually took her in and she ended up killing him. And so she, that's why she had to leave and basically go on the run. Now she's, uh, when you run into this uh, hollow shadow again, you get introduced to the sister who's basically on this conquest to murder her. Yeah. The younger sister of the woman that she killed of the, of the, of the surrogate family. Now you also find out later that the surrogate family actually wanted to kill her, but Akihito's um, club mate, um, their older sister was the one that stopped all that and was like, no, no, I can use her, bring her here kind of thing. Yeah. Izumi, uh, Nase is the, uh, Hirumi, Hirumi's, uh, older sister. It's also, uh, the other person, uh, Hirumi's sister, other sister, younger sister, who he's infatuated with is Mit, uh, Mitsuki. And Izuki, yes, yes, they are all three, uh, spirit world warriors, but Izumi is, the head of that house of the, of the Hirum, Hirumi's uh, and Mitsuki's house in general for the family. And their family name is uh, Nase. She's also a very accomplished and well-renowned and recognized warrior in, in general as well. And if I might say the family itself is extremely powerful in the sense of um, the city that this whole thing takes place in, that family is in charge of and rules. It, it, they are the, these, they are uh, essentially the Shogun family of this area. And right. she in the actually said, world hey. warrior sense. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And she's the only reason that Myra is even alive. Mira, because uh, when Mira killed the, the daughter 
instead of killing the sh- hollow shadow or shadow hollow shadow hollow um, instead of killing the shadow hollow she killed the daughter instead by right they could have killed her and they tried to and they wanted to but this family the nase family saved this girl because they wanted to use her for different purposes and you find out that the the plot if you will from the elder sister uh, it is a very deep thinking plot, very far sighted, because uh, the other massive Yamu that you find is uh, is not fully formed yet and is not um, fully appreciated, so to speak. The one I'm talking about, of course, is called the Calm. The Calm is a specific time of year. It's actually not a uh, a Yamu in general, and you what you learn is that the Calm is a specific time of period when all Yaomus actually get a severe reduction in the amount of power that they have. It weakens them severely, and it, it's only for a certain amount of time that this actually has happened. So it, it enables a lot of the spirit world warriors to tackle and attack higher a tiered or stronger Yaomu than what they would normally be able to do at their current level or skill set. So that's that's what the calm is. Now, usually following the calm, it's usually the best time to if you if it's known where it is, or it's usually followed by what's considered or the Yaomu that's considered beyond the boundary, which is basically the catastrophic event that will destroy the world type of Yaomu. Uh, so basically what they're saying is it basically is the reason why that we had World War I, World War II, and the other great c- catastrophes that have happened in this world in general. It's like, it, it's all because of this one specific one. And so what you end up, what you really learn is that you learn that the Yamu that the half of Akito anyways, that's a Yamu is actually this creature. It's beyond the boundary. The, the most powerful one that is there. And you learn about that pretty, pretty, uh, pretty intensely. So throughout this whole time though, before leading up to this, you know, Mira is actually starting to follow fall for Akito because he's so caring, genuine, he, he doesn't hide the fact that he is a pervert. He embraces his fetish. Uh, same thing with Hirumi. He embraces his fetish. But the Nasa family actually watch Akito to make sure he's not doing anything he shouldn't be doing and to make sure that that half Yaomu, because they didn't know it at the time, uh, is doesn't go out of control because of how powerful and strong it is. They just know that his half Yaomu side is very strong and very powerful. So... When they finally bring this plan into fruition, Mira, her plan, her ultimate goal is to try and save Akito. And the way for her to, for that to be able to have happen is <laughs> she stabs him, ironically, uh, much like how she yeah. did before because his uh, uh, Yaomu half is awake and moving and everything like that, but he's severely weakened due to the calm. And she takes that uh, Yaomu into her own blood out of him, making him fully mortal again. So you, you get to a point to where the ending is just basically taking place on this pseudo reality realm 
because the Beyond the Boundary wanted to create it to try and defeat Mira and also try and stay alive at the same time. So everyone's power and the Yaomi, uh, Yaomu that are alive are being drawn up. Their powers are being drawn up. So everyone's weaker because it's creating the pseudo reality to also try and create enough strength at the same time to defeat her, which is insane. Now, the cool part about this whole last scenario, after she drew him, drew all of the beyond, uh, beyond the uh, barrier, beyond the border, beyond the boundary, beyond the boundary. boundary, It's even the name of the anime. I know. I know. I just abbreviated the B.O.B. and I'm like, okay, cool. But um, so after she drew that in, she disappeared into this reality. Let's call it a bubble, which. No, she didn't draw I, it into that. She was drawn into it. it like, yeah, that, she. Beyond the Battery created that. Yeah, it created and, that because they are actually one and the same, but it's also the fabrication of her blood. Now, during the last three yeah. episodes. You're you're kind of it gets living, nuts. yeah. It's like tandem realities side by side all the way through, and so you're confused as to like which one's like actually it, and what's really going on. The three that are there are you see Myra fighting and protecting Akito. You see Akito in summertime, like with a whole year with her, and they're being kind of fun. And the third one is he's in the hospital and you're like, what's going on? Cause there's no context whatsoever there. They just throw it at you and hope that they've, they've given you enough of an interest so that you'll stay and suffer through the, the, the triple story that all con- that contradicts each other. Right. Because in one, well, my, uh, yeah, not them, there. Well, all three of them, uh, he's in a hospital. Every single one of them. Uh, so it's because he was stabbed. He knows he was stabbed. It's just one of them. He's he's with Mira. The other one, and there's only two realities. It's one of them's. He's with Mira, and she's there with him. And so she explains everything that's going on. And you're led all the way through this. And so it at that point it starts over again after it gets to the end where he where she tells him, um, you. I already died. You've you've been dead. It's been weeks and months since this actually happened. And I, I love you, you know, and, and she tells him that she loves him, but she also mentions that it's the last bit of her blood. That's the last bit of her blood is finally going away, but yeah, and he's about to wake up. Right. And that's, that's the blood that's in him. And so he wakes up to see glasses on the chair and and you find out that it's actually been two weeks since he was stabbed, not months, like how it was portrayed in his dream. And so for that t- entire time frame during during that whole whole section, you find out that it was a dream, and then you learn that he's hearing voice or hearing sounds, and that sh- that uh, he was actually human now, that he was no longer Yamu. Completely. Right now, the cool thing is he was he was hearing a, like a gonging sound, a repetitive gonging sound. It'd drive the normal person insane. But at least that's my opinion of it. Just to hear that constant booming out of nowhere, he was the only one to hear it. And when he expresses this, it, it's thought well maybe because he was part of and has a connection to beyond uh, the border, beyond the boundary. I was close. 
<laughs> Beyond the Boundary. Because he was part of Beyond the Boundary, he had a, a special connection. You later find out that the this bonging, well, you later infer that this that this this gong, this 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 noise was actually her fighting. And and the sound she, of find beyond out, the boundary itself was also making this noise. And the cool part is, if you look at it, this this girl who had very low stamina because she was anemic, because she used her own blood to fight, um, has been fighting for, for almost two constant weeks. And her love for Akito actually generated a body. It has no real conscience. And while the body looks like him, and does the same things that he would do, go to school, come home. It, 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 there's no emotion there. And he's just interacting with the environment and not really doing anything. And she's just, it, it's kind of sad because everything is there except him. Like his body's there, but his mind isn't. And you could just see that it breaks her heart. And every time she has like a moment alone and she starts to break down and show a little bit of weakness, B.O.B. would attack. Exactly. Yeah. And you, uh, towards the end, getting close towards the end, you you find out that another character who also is part Yaomu because he took a Yaomu into his own body to gain power and strength has a ulterior motive. He actually wants to destroy the world. And so he's hoping the Yaomu will be able to do this. And so he's, he's able to, uh, or beyond the boundary is able to do this. Yeah. And exactly. and so he's actually able to expose it, and so you can't you, even juice it up. Yeah, to try and juice it up and, and give it even more power, and so you just see all the Yaomu that's left in the world get drawn up in, into the. I don't know if it was left in the world, but I, I definitely no, know I was, it was in that general vicinity. Yeah, I was going to say within the the entire city that they're in, just all of them get drawn up and, and so, used basically as gasoline as fuel for the fire the energy and the really cool part is this little girl that has been like i said anemic has been fighting this thing for two solid weeks and seems to be on even tier <clears throat> now the, the the reason for that we find out is her blood specifically can counter beyond the boundary very specifically her clan had that ability and in the past uh, a, a millennia or two previous was able to uh, circumvent the end of the world, basically. And that's what Beyond the Boundary is 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 a catalyst for. So, But anyway, they keep fighting, they keep fighting. And of all people, the most obscure character pops in in, in, in Deus Ex Machina's this almost too convenient plot twist. Um, his... Uh, Akito's mom shows up and explains everything, basically. Not everything. And she just explains a little not, bit. Well, just, just, just she a explains tad. enough. No, not enough even enough. That, she explains just a just enough to to wet your beak, but nowhere near any ample inf information about it. You also learn that a little piece of of the beyond the boundary that was just sitting there that no one thought anything of was actually part of beyond the boundary it was they just thought it was like some random yaomu that was killed that was worth absolutely nothing not, not some random not some random this was the or, the, or they thought the they hollow. they thought it was the hollow but it actually wasn't it was it was exactly a right. it was a piece 
tiny, it was tiny a piece. piece of Akido. Yeah, so to speak. Um, no, not even so to speak. It was a piece of him. Well, it was technically a was piece of in. Beyond the Boundary. Technically, that's what it was. Which is, te- yeah, which is we- him. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, te- semantics. Te- semantics. You know, you, you you say potato, I say potato. It's we'll we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Point, I, think it's you, well, I think it's I say t- potato, you say tomato. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, but, ba- basically, okay, so we, what we it is, that- it, what it is basically is it's a part of him, or it used to be a part of him, and beyond the boundary. So he's able to take it back in, and at the that's how he's actually able to uh, at least in a, in part able to get back up to that other world that beyond the boundary has created just to be able to try and defeat her to make the connection. He, so he's able to transfer from world one world to the other. And then he, he assumes that body in my opinion, I, I don't really know if that's what happens or not, but his consciousness goes from one world and he makes it into the other world. And instead of being absorbed, like all the other Yamu, he either switches places with this body or his consciousness goes into this body. And now he's in the same world as her. No, and what, you, what happens right is, that, is that other body ceases to exist because he is actually there and she sees him. So she's no longer having to create this physical conjuration of him because he is truly there. Okay. Okay. I can, I can in a loose way, I can see that. So I, I I'll go with that. But he, then he starts to fight. Right, and with that little piece of chunk, he is able to hold his own and be on equal ground with Beyond the Boundary as well as create monumental help for her. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, one little swipe of his hand, which literally is the only piece of his body that that has the power of Beyond the Boundary, is just demolishing all of the other Yamu that are in there. And just like wiping out 10, 15 in one go. And I think it's kind of weird that he's able to control it so efficiently, so to speak, when he had almost no control previous. Well, it's but because it, he's it, only had part had the whole thing before, and now he only has a part of it. And so he only needs to worry about trying to control part of it. It's not controlling him. It's not taking over his full consciousness. And usually when the whole thing was take coming out is when he was severely weakened to the verge of death or or great severe illness. And that's when it actually surfaced. So now yeah, he's fully conscious, he's fully power. healed, he's healthy and everything else, so that's why he's able to control it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to agree with that, only because when he was fully afterwards, he still didn't have that ability. I just think after, it was too convenient. After but, what? Um, after she was gone, essentially. After this fight was over, he didn't show much ability. Well, why would he need to draw out that power? To, you know, to what purpose would he need to draw it out? And and to 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 help further my point is after their battle, right? The he he draws the beyond the boundary back into him, which in effect ends up killing Mira, uh, and she yeah. she ends up disintegrating. But she, he 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 has this final moment with her, and he pats her on the head like she wants, and she tells him that she loves him, and he tells her that he loves her, and they're having this great, wonderful, touching moment, and all that's left is this ring that she was wearing to help, you know, subdue her power. So, you know, there, there is no, after that, there is no reason for him to be able to draw on that 
for him to use that power, draw on the power or, or, or utilize that power because he's going to school. And so quite literally after he takes it back in, you, you just learn that she's dead supposedly. Yeah. And as he's walking away, much like how it was in the very beginning, but the difference is when he's walking away this time at the very end, he looks down, he sees the ring and then the ring disappears completely. And he looks up and then you see him run up and he runs to the top of the, uh, of the tower or the school, sorry, not tower. And there you see Mira again alive without her glasses. So he gives her, obviously he gives her glasses and says, could you put these on? It was a feel good ending that made no sense. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. I mean, after the nice epic speech that he did when he was drawing the, the beyond back in, he goes, you're, you are mine and I'm greedy and you have always been mine. So I, I have a, I have a little theory. What's your little theory? I have a little theory that he conjured her, like how she conjured him up in that world. He conjured her in that world. That's why that ring disappeared. So he is bringing a, bringing a physical manifestation into that world. Thanks to the powers of beyond the boundary because it is beyond the boundary that he's able to create a physical likeness of the girl he loved. Eh, I think you're stretching. Eh, I think you know you're what? about to work out. You're, stre- you're stretching so hard. I think you're about to run a mile. No, no, no. I think you're just jealous because I then tied in the wonderful fabrics of he is drawing on the power of beyond the boundary by drawing it in, by creating a physical manifestation of someone that actually should be dead back to life. So you're saying... It's a it, the it I'm, is I'm the bringing, most powerful Yaomu there is, and it literally created a world above our world over the city where okay. everything was there, including a physical manifestation of him. So why not be able to create a small, insignificant person in comparison to creating a whole city with weather and everything else? Huh? But it was stated, it was stated that the the beyond the boundary is not the one that created. The manifestation of him it was actually her strong feeling that created that manifestation now as far as and, and doing it, all of the well it was her desire her want and it was stated that beyond the boundary replicated that entire manifestation based on her emotions and her wants okay so why not instead of creating a whole city create one person yeah but the person that uh, beyond the boundary created was without conscience yeah but that's because it also created everything else. He wanted an exact replica. And that it's is easy. so creepy. It is a simpler manifestation to create a person with that consciousness, with that mind and mentality, since it was literally a part of her. So it absorbed her blood and everything else. So it literally was her. Even though he took it back in himself, he still took a part of her back in himself. Yeah, I don't like that. That doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't fit the narrative of the... Of the confusing ending that a person that should be dead that literally disintegrated then all of a sudden had a ring that disappeared into thin air with a person that all of a sudden appeared at the very end saying, hi, that doesn't fit the narrative? Yeah. No, no. Are, are you sure? I'm I'm 95% sure. I, I could be swayed, but it just, it doesn't feel right. I it think does- if we saw the OVA and, and that little extra bit, it might have cleared it up. Hopefully, maybe. But, I know that I would definitely love to read the manga on this, too. So Yeah. But I feel that that, in general, is how it is, personally. Whatever. But, you know, I'm entitled no, to my it, own it, opinion. It, it, you absolutely are, even if it's wrong. 
I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this guy. For all I know, I, for all I know, I could be wrong on this one. But you know, it's. I'll tell you what. For what the story is, I will say that it was very gripping. It was. And aside from maybe one episode, maybe I was I was okay to binge it. This is something that caught my attention, and this is something that kept it, which is not easy to do. So, on a scale of zero to five, how would you rate it? Um, it's not as good as the last one in story writing, um, but it, it it did have aspects of a battle shonen, which I I personally enjoy. So I'm gonna give it a three point eight fabs right. out of five. All right, and the it, the reason is. In my opinion, two and a half is average. This was above average because it was able to keep my attention. All right. I give it a four. Uh, the reason it's not any high. Oh, really? Why a four? I give it a four because it had solid story. It kept me gripped. And the only reason why I'm not going above a four is because the ending three episodes were confusing. It made no sense whatsoever, including the very end of it all. If it had given me a better conclusion, if it followed through, I would have given it a, a higher higher score. Um, definitely, I okay. agree with you so. on the other points that it has a great battle. It, it fits into the action battle genre, no problem at all. So, um, yeah, I think right. that wrap, about wraps it up for uh, us today. What are we watching next week, sir? It is my turn. Okay. And I, uh, you know, I'm going to go with one that I enjoyed very well. I will warn you. It did make me actually cry. Uh, the story, in my opinion, is uh, top tier. And uh, if, you get, if you can get past the weird concept and the animation, um, in, in the first few episodes, we're looking at Assassination Classroom. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, that about wraps it up. For today, uh, feel free to reach out to us via email, feudalanimepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Twitter, uh, at feudalanimepod. And please also don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It would be much appreciated. Until next time. Later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.